0: and we're reaching the end we're going to be able to finish chapter 27 today and tomorrow and then move on and open chapter 28 to move on from the saga of Jacob and Esau and go to uh, Jacob's issues and Jacob is going to have to deal with his issues and we're going to see that a little bit right here how that's going to come about and uh, some of the things that he's going to face because he's uh, he's a thief and a liar he is he's he has produced the full fruit of his character in his family life and uh, that has come about because his mother and his father built that atmosphere and fostered that and grew that And uh, when that reaches its fullness, it's going to uh, totally devastate and destroy the family and uh, separate the two brothers and cause discord and disunity and disharmony in the family for many years to come. It seems like in the moment that it is just going to be a problem for the moment, but it's not going to be a problem for the moment. It's going to be a problem for a long time. And that happens when you do that with children. That happens when you do that with young adults. It's not proper, it's not for young people to do things and be bitter and be hateful toward each other. It is not a good thing to be allowed and it's not a good thing for it to go on because ultimately what happens is it causes a family to be destroyed as far as the relationships. And I'll say this, a family that can learn how to love each other can pretty much learn how to love anybody. Because if you can learn to love your family for all their issues, and by the way, their issues are far more prominent to you than anybody else's. You have to live with them. You have to be around them all the time. The things that they have issues with are far more prominent than they are for anybody else. And let me also say this. The bigger the family and the more people that you have to learn to love, the better you get at it, the more experience you get at it, and the more experience that you have at actually wanting to care and take care of more and more people and I think that increases the child's capacity to learn it and so you say Pastor Chad are you saying that we need to we need to have as many children as possible I wouldn't say that would be wrong I wouldn't say that'd be wrong at all but that's not what I'm saying what I'm saying is that a family that lives together and learns to be graceful and merciful to each other and learns how to along as young people as young adults as adolescents and that's exactly what what was going on in this family and then when they got to adulthood their full measure of who they were played out in their lives but a family that learns to love each other and learns to get along uh as adolescents and into adulthood ultimately tends to stay together and have relationships way down the road and uh, cousins and even second cousins, even generations past, past the uh, generation that learned to get along and learned to get along together with each other, can have relationships and can have a rich, rich wealth of those relationships. And those relationships are important. We do live in a very, for as many people as we have, and as far as such the invention of social media and all the information that we have out there we are more and more today isolated as far as our relationships with each other and for and as far as the richness of relationships with each other the abundance of knowing each other and knowing how the other person is growing and becoming and, and being a part of helping them and being a part of giving them advice and encouragement and also giving them a rebuke or telling them the things that shouldn't be that are destructive for their life, that has really diminished over the last few generations. It is heavily diminished, and it is a detriment to the society because the depths of relationships are very difficult. Many people spend a lot of time, a lot of their efforts and energy they spend in social media and gaming and electronics and things like that, and therefore the richness and the ability to have those rich, deep relationships are marred. They're difficult. And so we're more and more isolated because we don't have the depths of those relationships. And therefore we don't search out the depths of those relationships in society. And we don't know each other and people go to church and yet they don't build those deep intimate relationships. And in the world that we live in, we have expectations of people that is not realistic because our expectations are built on what is going on around us. And that causes enmity, it causes strife, it causes problems. And it causes dysfunction in people's character and the way they live. It's just, it's very negative. And so I always say investment in children has reward that you just cannot imagine down the road. Investment in children have reward you and for them and for their children in such a way that you just sometimes can't imagine how powerful and how great that reward can be you just can't imagine it when when you're having those children and you're getting up in the middle of the night and you're dealing I can remember one night when my youngest from the upper from the upper deck that's what I call it it was they had bunk beds they wanted to have bunk beds in the same room even though they had separate rooms they wanted to sleep in bunk beds and my, my youngest one had some cherry red popsicles all night long and she got sick and you can imagine what happened to them cherry red popsicles. And when it comes from the upper deck, man, it was like a, it was just, it was a lot like a sprinkler that just sprinkled the whole room. It was, and I can remember that cherry red on that carpet and me on my knees at two in the morning, trying to get it out of that carpet. Cause you had to get it out of that carpet right then, or that dye would sit. And then we would have had to get a whole new room full of carpet. And uh, Kathleen had her in the tub, washing her off and cleaning her off. And she was sick and oh my goodness. Can, I, I, that night's a, a night that'll live in infamy in my family. And and you know what? When you're going through that, you're going, why did I ever buy into this? But the truth is that children are a blessing and a heritage for for an individual. And if you invest greatly into them, you will receive great reward coming out, a great reward in that in that you see them growing and being and becoming and chasing after the things that God has for them. I that that little girl that that sprinkled the whole room with cherry red popsicle is now a fine young lady seeking after God and seeking after God's will, even today, very smart. She's going, to be, uh, she's going to be a great woman of business, and she's going to also be a great mother and a great wife and a, and a great friend to a lot of people. She is that even now. And so why would we, why would we, why would we not make that investment if you said, uh, would I give away all that I have to go back to that day and, and clean up that vomit? I might really. And, and the reason is because that's what life is all about. It, it really is. It's about those growth moments and those things that happen that, that you remember. And, and remembering with family is so important. I was talking to even an older couple yesterday that was in my office, and I'm a like I said, I'm a practicing attorney, and we were talking about investing in their future and sheltering assets and taking care of assets and getting them in the right place as far as family is concerned so that they'd be prepared for the end. Uh, and you go, why would you even do that? When you get in your 60s and 70s, you do need to do that. That's it. It's just important that you make sure you take care of your family. You've been taking care of them for a long time. You need to take care of them now. And they're a group of people that worked hard and have a lot of assets that uh, they've accumulated over the years. And I told them you need to take some of those assets if you're trying to find a place to spend them. And you take those kids on vacation. You need to take those ki- You need to buy a place and have a place for your children and your grandchildren to come and, and to visit and to be a part of. You need to invest in those experiences that time spent with your family because that's invaluable. That 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 can't be overstated. It's invaluable. And uh, if it's done, your family, your children aren't, aren't going to always get along and they're not always going to agree. But you know what? They'll learn how to love each other in the midst of their difficulties and differences. And that has great value that you just can't, you just, there's no way to, there's no way to place a, place a number on it. It has unbelievable value for you. And in this family, that's not the case. Uh, in, in, as far as Jacob and Esau are concerned, uh, mom took, picked, uh, Jacob and dad picked Esau and they pitted them against each other and they played favorites and they didn't, and they didn't teach them to uh, get along and they didn't teach them to look out for each other's best interest and they didn't teach them how to be, uh, adults with, with good relational skills. They just didn't do it. And, uh, one of them's a thief and the other one's a little bit of a, uh, a, a nut, a little bit of a, uh, self-absorbed individual, in, and he just does what he wants to do, and he indulges himself, and Jacob takes advantage of it, and that's what the porridge story is about, and ultimately that's what the, the whole relationship was built on. It was built on distrust and enmity, and it is going to bring about its fullness, and that happens in life. That's just the way it is. Verse 41 of chapter 127 says, So Esau hated Jacob because of their blessing and, and which his father blessed him. He hated him because the father, Isaac, gave Jacob that blessing. He gave him Esau's blessing. And I already talked about how that's just foolishness. There ought to be a blessing for every child. There ought to be a blessing for everyone. You ought to have a word of encouragement, a word of life for everybody. And there shouldn't be just one to give out. There's just one to give out, that means your quiver's empty, and your basket's empty and you you need to fill that up with some grace and some mercy and some hope and some life. You need to be giving out some of that stuff every day. You need to be really good at giving that out he says he says the which the father blessed him, and Esau said in his heart, "The days of mourning for my father are at hand or they're near to come, then I will kill my brother Jacob. Notice it it reaches its full culmination, and that's what happens when sin is. It's planted and it's fostered and it's grown and it's watered. It brings about the fullness of that. And he's basically saying, I hate my brother enough to commit murder and to kill him. And we've already seen one family that had that issue because of jealousy and because of hatred and because of bitterness. And they weren't necessarily raised to be that way. But this family definitely, definitely had that enmity, that, that strife was built into their upbringing. And it's playing out to its fullness here. And it's ugly. And that's the only way you can describe this. It's ugly. It's ugly hatred. And let me say this, hatred is ugly in every possible way. Hatred for people that you don't know usually is because you were, you, you didn't learn in your life to look for the best in people. It's a character flaw. Hatred for people that you do know is a failure to recognize your own sin and your own struggle in life. And oftentimes, oftentimes your hatred of them is just a outgrowth of your hatred of yourself because you've not learned how to walk in the grace of God and the mercy of God and allowed that to become a regular part of who you are. You just hadn't done that. And so when you get to the place where you're a you're dealing with someone who's done you wrong or dealing with someone who's done you dirty, as we would say, you would you want to hate them. you let that hatred grow up in your heart, and the Jesus said, "Do good to those who despitefully use you he says you're supposed to you're supposed to give grace where other people give hatred, you're supposed to give mercy where other people give condemnation. you're supposed to give life where other people are walking in death. That's what we were made for. And I know it seems pie in the sky, but let me say this. If you learn how to do that in your own character and in your own nature, there's a lot of greatness that comes from that. There's a lot of grace and hope that comes from that. And learning to hate and learning to be bitter in your own heart. Bitterness doesn't bitterness does not affect anybody but you. Bitterness is not hurting the person you're bitter toward. It, it did not do anything to them. They don't even know sometimes that you're bitter about it. The bitterness is destroying the jealousy. It doesn't hurt the person that you're jealous over. It's destroying you. Notice sin destroys you. It doesn't destroy, it, it can destroy them. If you were to kill them, it would destroy them, but that would destroy you in far more, far more worse way than just having that hatred in your heart. The hatred, the bitterness, the envy, the strife, condemnation, the destruction that goes on in people's heart toward each other ultimately destroys them and it doesn't destroy the person that you feel that way toward. In fact. It it sometimes is totally unknown and never even heard from. And that's really what's going on here. Esau is destroying himself. And he's already been on the train to doing that because he never, ever was given really the character to do anything different. In the words of Esau, her older son, notice we still manipulate and we're still, we built this castle, this castle in the sand and the waves are coming in and Rebecca's trying to save the castle. And that's what she does. But now what she's going to do is she's going to send her son off into the wilderness for a 20-year stint. He's going to be out there dealing with his own issues for a long time before she ever sees him again. He's going to be gone for many years. He says, and she's going to be stuck with Esau. That's what's going to happen right here. And the word of Esau, her older son, was told to Rebecca. So she sent and called Jacob her younger son and said to him Surely your brother Esau comforts himself concerning you by intending to kill you. She says, "We done messed it up." And Esau is won't you dead. And she obviously didn't feel like uh didn't feel like this was no issue or she just let it be. She felt like there was some issue now. She didn't realize how deep it really was. Because we're going to find out basically two decades later, Esau rides out to kill him when he hears he's coming back. But so that bitterness stayed there for a long, long time. Let me tell you something. Bitterness in your heart for a long time ain't going to do you no good. And that's from the deep south. Bitterness in your heart that you hold for a long, long time ain't going to do you no good. It will only eat you. It corrodes the heart. It destroys the soul. And and if you think that's something you really want to enjoy and be a part of for a long time in your life, I can tell you something this morning. It will do nothing for you. It is death. And if you've got bitterness in your heart for somebody, first thing you need to do is forgive them. You need to release them so you can be released and you need to release them. Even if you don't like them, you need to release them. And I don't care whether you like them or not. I would prefer that you learn to see the, see the grace of God for other people. The truth is that you need to let that go. You need to let it go. And if you don't, if you can't let it go, it is corroding your soul. It is corroding your soul and it is of no value to you and it is going to it is going to effectuate your character down the road if you don't deal with it, and you need to deal with it, and you need to be real about it. Forgiveness is releasing somebody from a debt, and you have to forgive them that debt, not for them, but for you. Yes, for them, yes, okay, but for you too. You got to let it go. I know that seems easy, but let it go. You got to do that. Not let it snow, let it go. So he says, Now therefore, my son, obey my voice, arise, f- free flee to my brother Laban in Haran. Now oh my goodness, we we're, we're gonna talk about Laban next week. We'll actually talk about him uh, at the end of this week, but boy Laban is a uh, he's a character. She's fixing a to- Take him from the frying pan into the fire. He's, she, <laughs> she's put her son in that frying pan and taught him to cheat and lie. She's fixing to send him to the chief of the liars and cheats. Laban's a, Laban's a, a whoa. he's a hoot. And uh, that's from the South too, by the way, for those of you who are listening all over the place. He is, he's a different individual. And he says, uh, he says we need to flee from our brother Laban in Haran. You go to, go be with him. He's fixing to learn what a liar and a cheat is. And he's fixing to learn that that's very destructive for life. And stay with him a few days until your brother Fury turns away. His brother Fury ain't going to turn away for a long time. And he ain't staying for a few days. And that's what sin does to you. Sin carries you farther than you ever wanted to go. It takes more than you ever spent, man, thought you'd spend. And let me tell you something. It takes longer in life to get over than you ever imagined in the moment that it would. And it does. It just eats at you. Sin does that. And she says, just go away for a few days. Go on up there to Ran and see Laban and hang out and take a little vacation. And we'll let this summer down here. And then you can come on back. That ain't what's going to happen. That's not what happens. It is. It is. We're, re- we're reaching the boiling point of this story. The fullness of this story. We're All the chickens. All of them. I'm talking about every chicken there is coming home to roost. Every one of them, they all coming home right now. And you go, I got a lot of chickens out there. I don't want them to come home to roost. You know how you get rid of the chickens coming home to roost? You start forgiving. You start giving out grace to people. You start being a person of love. And let me tell you something, the chickens don't want to come home to that house because they're chickens of bitterness and they're chickens of hatred and they're chickens of lust and they're chickens of death. And they don't want to come home to a house that's full of love and full of forgiveness and full of grace. They don't want to come home to that. You want to listen? If you worried about your chickens coming home to roost, if you worried about it, your sin coming to find you out, let me tell you the way you get you you handle that. You be a source of grace and mercy and power, just full all the time. You just give it out in bushel loads. You just load up the truck and haul it in and give it out. And I can promise you this: if you'll do that. Those chickens don't want to come there. They don't want to come home to roost there. They don't. They won't. God will just keep heaping that grace on you and keep heaping that mercy on you, and you'll keep heaping it out. And those chickens, they just can't stand that. He says, and stay with him a few days until your brother's fury turns away. In verse 45, until your brother's anger turns away from you, and he forgets what you have done to him. Well, ain't, they ain't. I'm going to quote one of my favorite movie characters, the outlaw Josie Wales a Clint Eastwood. He said, they just ain't no forgetting. I'm going to tell you, when you sow bitterness and deceit and hatred in someone's life, sometimes there's not any forgetting. You've got to learn how to so that you can have the character of God. But sometimes that doesn't happen for them. And uh, he says, he says, she says, we'll wait until he forgets what you've done to him. Then I'll send and bring you from bring you from there. Why should I be bereaved? That's easy for me to say. Also of you both in one day, what she's saying is, why should I lose both dad and you in one day? And I don't want to, and I'm not going to. And that's the story. There we are. We've got a few more verses, just one more verse to deal with a little bit more of a little bit of more bitterness that we're going to talk about a little bit, of a little bit in law troubles that we'll deal with tomorrow. But it's good to go through relationships and good to deal with some of these relationships that the Bible gives us in Scripture because it gives us lots of insights into how to live and how to not live, how to walk in God's grace. And when we don't walk in that grace, how a destructive life can really be. And you know what? I, I know that the reason you're listening to this is you're seeking life and you're not seeking death. The reason you would even turn this on is because you want the hope and the goodness that comes from God and Him only. And so if that's what you desire, let me say this. God is going to fulfill that. He's going to fill you up with it, even if you've walked in a whole lot of bitterness and hatred and pain and suffering your whole life. God can take that to life of pain and suffering and he can fill it up with goodness and grace and mercy, and He can do that overnight. And let me tell you something, my God's in the business of doing that. And if you're if you one of those people who've dealt with a lot of strife and bitterness in in the days past, I would say to you to seek out God and let him fill you up with his goodness, because he is a good God, and he is full of love and mercy, and he is more than able and more than willing to give it to you, no matter what you've done. His Son's blood atones for that, and it's paid for that, and it is good to do. And so I would just encourage you to go after